Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am here with Kier Banu today. She is an Australian mantra musician and voice empowerment coach who helps people connect to their authentic voice and use it with confidence, clarity, and impact in any situation. Ooh, I like that. In the last 10 years, she has given over 800 concerts and empowerment workshops in Europe and Australia, Australasia, and, have perform and has performed at over 20 festivals and conferences. She practices yoga daily, meditates, and is committed to her own journey of authenticity. Her passion is to share practical tools that will help you break down any barriers that stand between you and your authentic voice and honest self-expression. Life is short. Her sincere wish is for you to live it fully by loving yourself completely and sharing your unique voice with the world. Ah, well, this intersects a lot with the things that I do. I'm excited to talk to you about all of this. So let's get into it. Here we go. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. So I've been following you a little bit on Instagram since you released a track with Songs of Eden, right? That's how we connected, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think that was like, that must have been in like 2019 or something. I think that was Om Namo Gurudev Namo. That was the first one I did with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, um, that was a long time ago. We had a message thread to connect and then kind of never did so. Here we yeah, are. something like this. Sometimes like sometimes the ball drops, and then we pick up the ball later and <laughs> roll with it afterwards. <laughs> cool. So I, I think I'm gonna take this off. I am wearing clothing, but it's actually getting quite hot in here. So <laughs> I put that it on. Thank you, Nick. I'm I, not gonna take this off. <laughs> yeah, don't don't take that off. Maybe we'll just take this off a little bit. Okay. Um, because I'm gonna be sweating if I don't. So okay. Um, so you have done a lot of, a lot of touring, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I was, I was living as a professional touring musician for six years. Yeah. Ah. So before I got into, I mean, I've been practicing yoga meditation for like 25 years and I've been working with mantra as my personal practice for 20 years actually lived in a community in the States for a few years. Oh, weird. Um, but when I came, I was in upstate New York. Yeah. Sufi community yeah oh, okay. yeah yeah um but when I came to Germany I had studied music before that I was actually at Berkeley in uh, Boston for a while oh, and nice. uh, yeah my cousin yeah, went yeah. there oh really awesome yeah. um yeah and then when I came here I really pushed to get my music career off the ground and it took a little bit of time but you know tooth for tooth nail for nail I, I did it as an indie musician and actually the first three albums that I have um, online are all my indie albums. And this is the work that I was touring with for about six years. And then I decided to make a change because it was pretty crazy. I was gigging like 100 to 120 concerts a year. So it was like great, but um, difficult for relationships and one's own sense of health and well-being. Yeah. Yeah. So this was this was not mantra music. It sounds like this was no. This songs. was indie music. So I was singer songwriter, uh, indie ambient pop. These were kind of the directions that I was in, uh, touring mostly by myself, but sometimes also with my band. Yeah, yeah. So that was under a different name. No, still under my name. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so is that your your birth name? Uh, it's my Sufi name, and oh, uh, I changed okay. my name legally, so it is the name that's on my passport. I often get asked, like, why do you have this name? What is this name about? Um, but yeah, it's a name that I was given as I initiated into the lineage of Sufism that I'm a part of, which I did 16 years ago. And uh, yeah, I've been using that name as my own personal mantra. That's the reason you received the name uh, gotcha. ever since. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, I know about changing your name. <laughs> Did it once and I'm reluctant to uh, change it back, even though I'm, I'm no longer using the name that I changed it to. Um, but it is, it is quite a process. And um, is it more is difficult or is it, is it? I mean, like, so, I mean, I can, I don't know. I guess we have to, yeah, differentiate between our experiences, obviously. <laughs> like I am, um, I got my name kind of two months after I initiated and that was before I was going to do a lot of traveling and my my teacher, she wanted to give me my name as something for me to concentrate on as a part of my personal practice. Um, and she gave me the name and I was like super pissed and disappointed because I hated it. I was like, what is that shit name? What does it mean? <laughs> it means a lady of power, strength and fortune. 
So did you object to the sound or to the meaning? The, the vibration of it, the sound, because I felt like um, I wanted something at that point in my life, you know, I was really floaty and really like in the air and very much about like, let's say, put it like this. I expected more of a name like she who dances with fairies. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously the idea of the name is to awaken the qualities inside of myself that I'm not owning and not seeing. And so, and I have to tell you like a 16 year practice with that name with continually it really has worked um, because I'm a very different person now than how I used to be. So I'm, I'm truly grateful for the inside of my teacher to give me that name. But as she gave it to me, I had no intention of ever using it because I didn't like it. I thought, okay, I'll just meditate with it and keep it as a personal practice. However, two months later, I was actually traveling and meditating in an ashram in the south of India. And I had this complete vision vision, and like a DNA integration with my name. Like it was just so intense, not planned. It just happened in the energy of that space. And when I opened my eyes, and this is really true, when I opened my eyes, I was like, oh, I'm Kirbanu. And I just knew myself as that name. So I didn't go through any process at all. Mm -hmm. Like I closed my eyes in an ashram and opened them and it was just different. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, it wasn't my official name, but because I was traveling so much and then I moved to the States, I kept introducing myself as Kirbanu. And then like my official name was something else. And people were like super confused. <laughs> Who are you? And then when I got married here in Germany, I had to change my last, well, I decided to change my last name anyhow. Mm -hmm. And it was the same piece of paper for the Australian government. So I just flipped out the name. And uh, since then I'm Kirbanu. And you know, hey, like if I come to a point in my life where I feel that that is done, then I can change it again. Like, so it sounds the like the process. Place. Well, what I meant by process was, um, I guess, like the government side of things changing it. Oh, yeah, no, no but I, I loved hearing that. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. The, it sounds like it is a little bit simpler in Australia if it's the exact same form as when you get married. That's kind of cool. It's not the exact same form. It's a different form. Oh, okay. um, you have to have like, a, you have to fill out a name change form. I mean, this was, okay, this was how long have I been married? I think 12 years ago. Mm. But honestly, like, and I did it here in Germany, so I didn't need to be in Australia to do it. But I just filled out the form and signed it, wrote my old name, wrote the new name, paid the money, got a name change certificate. Everybody's wow. happy. Oh, so, wow. I mean... <laughs> That was the process as an Australian in the, in the Australian system. Yeah, We had to. I also did it when I got married. Um, since then, mm -hmm. I've been divorced. But, mm -hmm. uh, we, but we had to sit in front of like a judge and we had to declare, you know, that we weren't doing it because we were convicts and, you know, oh, <laughs> that wow. sort of thing. Yeah. But it, wow. it was, okay. I think it was more, that was okay. That was easy. It was more the like having to change my name on everything else, like my credit cards and my bank account and my passport mm. and my, uh, anyway, we, we, you, you, you may like paperwork more, more than I do too. I, I know. I mean, I didn't really think about it. It was just something that I needed just, to do. So yeah. I don't know. I just did yeah. it. And, um, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So, you know, the, I mean, if something feels necessary, you do it and yeah, you just move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have been doing, remind me, you have been, you were doing the singer songwriter thing for quite a while and then you switched. Is everything, is your whole music catalog under, um, still on. like available? So yeah. like everything is yeah, available yeah. and then you added yeah. the, the mantra yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah. So how did the to change the music style that I was releasing? figured as an artist one has that choice so, yeah, yeah totally now I'm wondering <laughs> yeah. like how your audience responded to that was that super interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was really scared um but I made the decision but it was just, it was something that I had to reflect on and think about for quite some time um it was something I felt and then I needed to think about it for about six months to decide is this what I'm going to do am I really going to switch this direction with my music am I really going to go in this mantra yoga wellness meditation music direction um but as I said it's something that was a part of my personal practice for like 20 years and so it was very much who I am but it's just who I hadn't shared that part of me so publicly before and I was a bit nervous about that to be honest because it's so private um and then 
yeah after reflecting I was like okay I'm just gonna do this I'm gonna release a mantra and I spent like two months producing it and released it in the middle of 2018 um and it was a mixed bag you know there were some people who obviously asked me like what are you doing like why what what is this um some people obviously stopped supporting my music because they didn't like the new direction however what was most interesting and and really surprising and very beautiful is the overwhelming support that I had from people who wrote to me and said I've never heard of this kind of music before I have no experience with it but I can't stop listening to it because it makes me feel so good. Or I have to play this every night so I can calm down. Or I listen to it every morning so it energizes me on the way to my work. Um, and many of those people have then have continued to support my music um, through the whole mantra journey, through the release of the first album, mantra album, second mantra album now just got released as well. And uh, come to my concerts and, and do my online courses for mantra, you know, for voice. So it's been really rewarding actually and I would say that the overall feedback was much more positive and encouraging than I expected yeah that's neat so do you feel like your audience now is kind of a mix of people who have discovered you since the mantra music I'm assuming that people have found you for that but then also like these people that you have basically introduced to mantra music absolutely yeah 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 it's a mix it's completely mixed. And I can see that because I've been, you know, I have a, a good email community that I work, that I write emails for every week. And so I can see, and I, I've met many of them at concerts and some of them have been to the early NDA concerts and yeah, they're still a part of the community, which is really cool. That's really neat. Mm. How did you end up in Germany? My husband is a German. So I met a German. <laughs> I did a long distance relationship from I then was in New Zealand at the time studying music and uh, and he was here and yeah we did a long distance relationship for about 15 months and flying back and forth which I can tell you between Frankfurt and Auckland Ooh. is quite the ways um <laughs> it's not around the corner it was a 12 hour time difference so you know he was waking up as I was going to sleep and vice versa it was really crazy I can't believe that we did that reflecting on like <laughs> how did that happen how did we manage to do that and that was in the beginning of our relationship that we did that. But then after, of course, some point, there was the feeling of let's take the next step and see how this is. And I actually always had the feeling of um, like I never thought that I was going to live in Australia. And that's why I've been living in the States. I've been living in Italy. I traveled through India. I lived in Canada for a year. So I've done a lot of travel. And so this for me was like, I feel that I meant to be in Europe. I don't know how. I'm obviously not a European, so I'm not sure how this visa-wise is going to work. And it just felt like it was the right moment. And, and then I came and it was tough. It was really hard for the first like five years, making it work and building a career here, mm. um, having no network and learning a language that I'd never learned before and um, standing on a stage and singing your own music in English and translating it to a German audience in German, feeling insecure in that Um yeah, it was really hard for the first five years. And also the nature of Germans is that they tend, they're amazing people, but they tend to be quite reserved at first. Um, they call them like, coco it's like a coconut. They're hard on the outside and soft on the inside. So that was also something that Wait was a, a little second. bit. What coconut is soft on the inside? Yeah, hard on the outside, soft on the inside. Aren't coconuts hard on the inside? <laughs> No, because they're hollow and they have water. And then you can oh, eat, the, okay, eat the softness. The okay, okay. And you eat the flesh, you know, well, but if you compare it like to, the, hard, to the surface. Not, okay. I'm well, thinking I mean, about like, like a, hard, um, a hard coconut, like um, like when you, like the hard meat. Ah, uh, okay. I'm talking about like a fresh coconut. So like okay. you would get it from the tree, <laughs> like in Bali. Like fresh coconuts. They're like fresh coconuts. They're not an old stale coconut. No, no, no. They're like a fresh coconut. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a tropical analogy that's like like, like what Jamaicans say about Germans or something <laughs> I don't know I learned it a long time ago so <laughs> that's really great I was like but it makes sense you know I, I can go with that it, it does make sense yeah so um and then since then it's been really amazing and I'm really grateful and since um working in the yoga direction and in, in a way that's just really aligned with who I am and, and how I experience myself it's just been really in flow. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. Great. Do you do mostly in-person 
um, coaching type, like with the, the vocal empowerment and things like that? Is, is it mostly online classes or are you doing things in person with people there? So I've been working ironically online since 2018 um, before the pandemic happened mm. because I travel so much. Like I'm leaving on in two days for three months, basically mm. to go to four different countries. <laughs> um, and, uh, and before the pandemic, that was also our life and my life. And also because I'm touring a lot. And even now I still, I'm away on weekends, teaching on trainings, mm. teaching voice and mantra, um, you know, programs, immersions, giving concerts and stuff like this. Um, and it became necessary for me to think about how can I work with people regardless of their location. So in uh, 2018, I started offering my, my trainings, my one-to-ones online. And I only offer it online. Um, mm. My voice empowerment coaching. I also offer um, a very specialized form of singing coaching. Uh, and then I also run online courses. And these are obviously also online and they're happening for four weeks at a time kind of thing. And it's just a beautiful thing because in this sense, I get to balance these two worlds and I appreciate both of the worlds. So I love, um, you know, being in front of a live audience. I love being on a festival stage. I love giving workshops. Um, I love being on trainings. I love being live. Um, but I also very much value what the online experience can offer us. And especially in terms of connecting people across the world, across time zones, um, you know, it, it's just really beautiful what that makes possible for us, what it enables. Um, yeah, so I've kind of focused on that since 2018, these two worlds. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. I was speaking to somebody else who had decided, oh yeah, Wendy, who had decided like way before the pandemic that that was, that that was the way to go. Did you find it interesting that life sort of went that way anyway? It was, um, I would say, I guess for every person, uh, at first it wasn't interesting. It was really challenging because I had to cancel a 35 gig tour overnight. Mm -hmm. And that was like, my going to be my income? <laughs> Sounds a bit stressed about that. Um, but then obviously having to, as many of us did, react and respond and move inside of that space. And now to your point, I was very lucky that I already had online course offerings. I was already offering online coaching. Most of my friends who are also people I work with all called me because they knew I had a lot of experience working online. Mm. I was really lucky, uh, to be honest, and um, it really supported my offerings, uh, the experience in terms of making people interested in online learning who may have not been interested in online learning space before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I do definitely, I do value both. I mean, like giving a concert, there's nothing like being alive with the people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you something about that. Um, what what is because you you must have experienced this too so at the you've said you've been doing this for a while so cds were a thing i assume when yeah when you, when you were started touring. <laughs> okay what does what does like the the income or like the the selling of things look like now and i haven't toured for a while because mm -hmm. when when i did i was selling cds i'm wondering like what what that looks like if in certain countries people are buying more cds or if you're just if you're selling digital cards or like how, how do you mm -hmm. navigate mm -hmm. that yeah so after my third album and i mean you understand the cost of producing a cd and going to a recording studio and all of this kind of thing i mean i ran two successful crowdfunding campaigns for my second mm -hmm. and third album but the cost was around 10 grand per album mm -hmm. it's ten thousand euros also mm -hmm. Um, it's not a small amount of money. No. Um, Although then, just so people understand, that's on the, that's not necessarily has how expensive you could go. I mean, you, oh, you God, could no. that spend a lot more money on. So yeah. My producer gave me a deal. Yeah. My producer gave me insane deal. I mean, he was so fair. It was insane. Like I that's basically really got the studio for free instead of paying a thousand euros a day, which is mm. the normal fee. Mm. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Totally. Um, but then doing that and then having the production and then going through that whole process um, and then seeing that people are just not buying CDs anymore. So yes, to your question, in the beginning, I was selling CDs, but it was also honestly spoken a bit of a pain in the ass to have to cart a whole crap load of mm. CDs with me. I was carrying often everything on my back, everything in suitcases, using trains, um, 
you know, it was just like, I'm a small woman as well. So I'm like five foot two. I'm not big. Oh. Like, oh, wow. I'm quite small. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like, that was a lot that was really draining physically. Um, and then when I went into the to the mantra space, I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to produce a physical CD anymore. Um, I don't want to. And so I just have a digital download card. And I also offer with that a digital book. So anyone who buys my album gets like a 24 page book where I explain all of the lyrics and the mantra and everything. And in doing that, I try to give significant value to the to the people. And I mean, in that sense, I have to make sure I clearly explain what the heck it is, because often people are really confused because I have a card, you know, it's a big kind of A5 card. And they're like, so do you have a CD? Like what's happening? <laughs> and through this feedback, I've been, you know, improving my process at the live concerts. Um, but I'm always selling stuff. So I'm always selling CDs now that I have two. It's great because I sell like them together for a slightly cheaper price. Um, and in that sense, I would not say, yeah, perhaps the sales have slightly decreased. But now because I'm selling two, I guess my and because I'm doing it with digital downloads, my profit margin is much bigger than it used mm, to be. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about the transportability factor. Yeah. That is a big deal. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, I'm also thinking about like, if you were touring in the United States, you'd probably be in a car where that wouldn't be as much of an issue. But yeah, if you're like yeah. using trains and yeah, wow. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you're use, you're taking a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I have a three quarter guitar. I used to have a full size, but again, small person. Yeah. So I realized after about four years of traveling and suddenly getting a lot of feedback from people who saw me on like, who saw me live, dude, that guitar is really big for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a normal size guitar. <laughs> I, I decided maybe I should try a smaller version. And I'm really grateful that I did. Um, although I have to honestly say, I still have my other guitar. I love the sound of the first one. And it's my first guitar is just so much more beautiful. Um, but the three-quarter guitar makes traveling and touring much more practical. Mm. And so when you're doing your concerts now, is it all mantra? Do you do any of your old material singer-songwriter stuff? No, it's all mantra. But how I create mantra music is that I want to create something that's like what I like to call a modern version on it. So that's really important for me. And I think that's also a reason why actually a significant number of my indie music community stayed with me uh, as I diversed into the mantra space because I basically like to make what I call mantra pop music. Mm. Um, in that sense, pretty much all of the songs or many of them have lyric and I, and I use the English lyric to explain my experience with the mantra or the meaning of the mantra. And then the mantra itself, it's like a chorus. Or now I'm actually, I started writing songs in German. So on my last album, there's actually a complete song in German. Oh. and that's not a mantra that's just a song in German <laughs> yeah so you've since learned German was... oh yeah I had to I mean yeah. I was I was as I said earlier um I was when I was touring I was um explaining my songs uh in German to the audience because they're German speakers and I was playing English songs with English lyric which for a German person who might be hearing an English song for the first time, it was just difficult for them. And I, mm. I felt that I was creating um, an obstacle mm. uh, between my connection with my audience and, and me helping them drop into the essence of the music and, and allowing them, uh, creating the space for them to really have an experience with the music, which is what I wanted. Yeah. Mm. So I learned it when I, when I first came here, but it really took me like five years, six years to feel good but now you know I teach like the philosophy of yoga on yoga teacher trainings in German so oh wow that's and a different all of my kind online... of German too oh it's definitely, <laughs> definitely a different kind of German and all of my online courses and all of my online coachings are I offer all of my courses and, and coachings in two languages so everything is offered completely oh, in English wow. and everything is offered parallel and separate completely in German yeah oh, that's really interesting yeah. How, yeah. what does that breakdown look like in terms of people who participate? Is it pretty even mm -hmm. or? In the recent time, it's more swayed towards the German community. Yeah, German oh. speaking. And I yeah. see that also with my listens and stuff, but it makes sense because, you know, I'm 
mostly touring here. I'm mostly mm -hmm. connecting into the community here. I'm quite well networked in in that space in the German speaking world. So it makes sense. It's a bit yeah. strange, obviously, as a native English speaker, but um, it's okay. Yeah. Wow, how clever. That's that's really that's really cool. And there must have been also like a what is what would you say like like a little place for you to fit in there because I assume that that's not as you know as uh, maybe popular in Germany. Maybe that's something that was like a need that you filled in that in that uh, void of of what you're teaching, right? Like, do you feel like there are a lot of other German people? Maybe I'm wrong. Are there a lot of other German speakers who are teaching like vocal empowerment and mantra and all that stuff? No. No. Okay, well, so there you go. No, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely here. Uh, but I would also say in the English speaking world, to be honest, I haven't really met anyone teaching in the way that I teach um, mm. because it's really combining really specific and separate concepts from, you know, working with beliefs and transforming beliefs and really coaching uh, elements to classic singing concepts and speaking concepts. Mm. Um, so even in that space, I feel quite unique in that way and I guess that's you know we need to I think mm -hmm. I think that's important that whatever we offer is really individual and our own let's talk about that then we haven't talked about your your courses and your your coaching sure. do you feel like chatting about that happy happy to yeah, yeah. so what does that look like in it sounds like there's a few of... other it sounds like there's a few things it sounds like mm -hmm. you do the courses are, are they courses yeah. that you interact with or are they kind of a course that you buy and then they're pre-recorded yeah so um so for the online courses I offer different courses and I offer hybrid courses um that means that I have pre-recorded content which people go through on a weekly basis and then either at the beginning of that week or at the end of that week we meet for a live session on zoom um, and there's also a complete group support that goes through for that four week experience. So for me, it's really important that my participants feel that and, and know that I'm there with them, you know, that they don't feel like they buy something and then it's done, mm -hmm. but rather that we're going on this journey together. Um, and I'm offering what I call express yourself. So this is my classic voice empowerment course. It's a course for speaking and self-expression in that you're learning how do you use a voice uh, in a mechanical way? How does it function? And then you're looking at the emotional psychological element of what do we need to do on a beliefs level to free ourselves from things like self-sabotage patterns, uh, disempowering beliefs. We look at self-talk, we look at self-love, we look at self-acceptance, self-awareness, um, setting boundaries, uh, developing self-confidence. So all of these things are the things that I explore inside of that space. And that's really work that has evolved over 15 years through my own journey and through my one-to-one -one voice empowerment coaching as I've seen the needs of my clients and the problems that they've presented and the things that we've need to go through together in order to help them heal and resolve those things and to get to the point that they wanted to get to in their journey. The other course is an online mantra course and that's a four-week journey into bhakti. Uh, and so here we're looking at all things mantra and bhakti what does that mean? Uh, what, what does it mean to have a mantra practice? How can mantras help us in our everyday life? How can we use them? I mean, I call my my albums Mantra Medicine, volume one, volume two, and it's just going to keep going until I decide to do something else. Um, but for me, they're really like vibrational medicine that we can use to change our state, that we can use to, um, just like I've done with my name and just like the experience has been with my name to um you know awaken elements of ourselves um but then also what does that mean from the idea of of love and what does it mean to come from love to move in love to be love what does that mean for our relationship to ourselves so i'm always really interested in working on both of these levels um and of course in the mantra course we're doing a lot of singing as well as learning a whole bunch of mantras so these are the two main courses i also have a voice course for yoga teachers which was the first course i developed in 2019 and a self-love course that I developed uh, also in 2019. And that's the online stuff. And mm -hmm. then there's also the one-to-one -one online coaching, which is really very specific. And it's very much focused upon what is this individual's needs? What are their goals and wishes? And how can I serve them? Hmm. You know, how can I help them evolve? Cool. So mm -hmm. with the, the online courses, are these ongoing? You can sign up for them 
whenever you want, or they're kind of, it sounds like there might be start dates. Yeah. 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 We're just about to start actually this Saturday, um, the express yourself course. I generally run them once or twice a year. Um, and next year I'm also contemplating doing a longer course. I'm still, it's, it's been percolating in me for about three months and I need a little bit of time and space to just sit with it. Um, but I feel something coming through that I think is going to be a bit more of a longer course, a little bit more, um, specialized and just with live sessions and maybe, maybe impulses throughout the week. Um, yeah, but I always, I like this idea, this idea of, as I said, for me, I always want to drop into the depth with people. That's just the kind of person I am. Um, and I, I prefer to go with my clients uh, through their journey mm-hmm. as opposed to say, well, thanks for buying that and good luck. You know, I mean, that's totally fine. And it works really well for, for some people. It's just not my not my journey, really. Mm-hmm. How how do you handle the German English thing in, in those? I'm curious. I just switch all day between the two languages. Okay, like, but like when they sign up for the the voice impact, or what was it called? Express yourself. Is that going yeah, to be so, taught in, in English? So that's German? the English version of the course. And I advertise, so my whole website is offered in English and German. And that means that my whole sales funnel um, is offered in English and German. Mm-hmm. And that means that if they're in the German section, then they get sent to the German version of the course, which mm-hmm. is called Befreie Deine Stimme. And I translated that means free your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so that's how I run it. And I just make sure I communicate that. I have a German email community that's just German that I just write to in German. I have an English email community. So it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's my life. That's my me. husband and I switch between two languages. <laughs> like in conversation, we'll start in English, move through German, go back to English, end on German. Like, yeah, that's my day. I flip between German, talking to friends, English, talking to friends, German, talking to clients, English, talking to clients. But I value that very much. I mean, I actually find it really, um, it's a joyful experience to be able to do that. I mean, I grew up in Australia speaking English and just English. So the opportunity to be able to learn a different language and to think in a different language and to speak in a different language has been very enriching and rewarding for me. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I grew up speaking French and English. So... Uh, yeah, I really, I, I know what you mean about valuing that. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. um, it's like using it, it. It's almost like when you, when you haven't worked a muscle in a while and then you mm-hmm. like work it and you're like, oh, that's alive in me now. And like, when yeah. I get to speak French, it's like a whole other part of myself is, is awakened that doesn't get used in the English speaking. So, and then it's, it's yeah. kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's almost kind of like a, like uh exciting to it allows you to to experience different parts of yourself because you we the way that we the language that we use affects so much how we think everything yeah perception yeah i i completely hear you and um french is actually my favorite language i'm learning french at the moment (sighs) i'm a complete beginner but i started Ah. this year learning french yeah i want to speak it i live just three hours from paris so it's like oh fun yeah yeah that's a fun part about europe (laughs) so yeah it's everything is so close of course america australia canada these are all yeah wider distances australia Um, is even more extreme it's kind of it's it's, crazy because it's like nothing (laughs) have you been there I have, I haven't been to like the middle or like actually gone, but I've read books about it and it fascinates me. It's like, it's like yeah. nothing, 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 nothing town. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are like, it's, it's true. And this is not a stereotype. Like it's, it's really like this. You either live in the city, which I think 90 or 95% of the population does. And I'm from Adelaide. So I'm from mm-hmm. a city. Mm-hmm. Um, or you live on the in the country and then you're like really in the boondocks like you are really living in the boonies then you're in the middle of nowhere and when you drive out there and uh this is when you know that you're really isolated because there are signs um at the gas stations and it says last gas station for 1000 kilometers make sure you tank up like this is true and you have to take spare cans and stuff because if you get stuck out there you're like stuck in the middle of the australian desert and this is not a loving environment like if you don't have water if you don't have fuel if you don't have enough warm clothing at night like it's dangerous yeah Yeah. 
but it's Ooh. it's also beautiful i mean it's something else um but i totally resonated with what you mean about awakening different parts of ourselves and i think that's what through language and that's what i i appreciate so much because i get to live these two parts of myself equally throughout a day and um how I express myself. And of course, my topic is self-expression and voice. And so it's also incredibly fascinating for me um, how I express myself and experience myself and connect to others in English uh, in comparison to how we said in German and, and what the German language allows me to do and, and the way the German language is, because German is very precise and very like on the point. Whereas English, I find very floaty and kind of like metaphoric it's a bit more gentle. However, in German, I'm much more like, tuck, 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 Ooh, tuck, you know? I, I'm sorry. I just got something as you were saying this, but that's sort of, because you were talking about how you wanted your name to be like Dances with Fairies, Floaty, mm, but then yeah. you learned German. Do you feel like German has really affected how you've tuned into Massively. your your voice? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Not just my voice, but myself. And it also taught me how to be very grounded because in Germany, you need to be very structured and very organized um, in order to be respected uh, by the business community, at least. Um, yeah, so it, it absolutely had a big, a big influence on me. Yeah, very much. Interesting. How has that yeah. been in relationship with someone who comes from that kind mm. of <laughs> mentality, you know, that, that culture, <laughs> I guess? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would put forth here that, um, I guess I, through my experiences, like I've, I've traveled through like 38 different countries and lived in seven different countries, including Australia. Mm. Um, and in the last 16, 17, 17 years, I haven't lived in my own country. Um, and I guess my closest friends and obviously my husband are travel oriented. So I would say that we're all first and foremost, quite international and quite international in the way that we think and really open-minded like mm. you have to be to have that kind of life experience uh to be willing to have that kind of life experience so in that we were able to meet on a way that we understood each other and communicate and connect obviously on a, on a way that we really understood each other with like travel and freedom and, and personal expansion as our kind of solid values but then, of course, when I moved here, there were moments, especially in the beginning of our living together relationship, where we came into conflict. And it actually took us about six to seven months to work out, stop, this is not our personal self, this is our culture and our mm -hmm. cultural conditioning. And we actually had a moment, because we're both super reflective, um, which yeah. is very helpful. Um, and so we actually had a moment where we sat down and realized this after a ridiculous argument where we both thought, thought the other was completely nuts and insane. <laughs> but we were like, wait, what is actually happening here? And that let us see, holy crap, cultural difference is a big thing and cross-cultural communication and misunderstanding is a big thing and it's real. Mm. And that gave us the awareness uh, and the compassion that we needed in order to meet each other halfway. Um, and of course, we, we met in English. Like he, as a German, grew up learning English in the school and was traveling internationally, and that's how we met. But it also helped very much for me to learn his language um, to a really high level um, that we could actually really deeply and fundamentally understand each other. Because mm -hmm. that's the other point. If you're with a person whose language is not your language, and if you're communicating either in a third language, like in English, or in one of your own languages, then the way you're experiencing that person is not their, let's say, their most natural way of experiencing themselves and expressing themselves. Um, and I think that also is a disservice uh, to you getting to know them on, on, a, on a true and authentic level. Um, and so this whole process really taught me that. And it taught me the importance of language. And it taught me the importance of the awareness of self-expression in language. Um, and then of course, in a cross-cultural partnership to really understand the role that language has on the way we communicate with each other. That's a really interesting point that I don't think I'd ever considered in exactly that way about mm -hmm. speaking to somebody in their own language. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's something that my husband taught me because it was really important for him that I would learn German to a higher level. Mm-hmm. And I, I, being very stubborn and strong-headed, was like, why not? Why? Accept me as I am. Don't try and change me. All my projections at the time. Since then, I've grown. God sei Dank. Oh, sorry, that's German. See, this is the thing. I switch between the two languages all day long that I don't even know what one I'm in sometimes. It means thanks, God. Um, <laughs> what is that? God sei Dank. God sei Dank. Okay. God sei Dank. Yeah, so thanks, God. Um, but yeah, he brought that to my attention. And now that my German is good enough, like at that level, I get it. Because, you know, sometimes I'm like, hey, dude, can you just talk to me in German? Because like, you're a whole different kind of person in German. And I quite like the German version of you. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he's like softer uh, in German. And his English really? is harder. And it, it's interesting because I'm harder in German. I'm like, talk, 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 talk. Yeah. <laughs> and in English, I'm softer. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know if it's just the eloquence of and competence of one's familiarity with one's own language and the depth mm. of, of understanding that language, mm. um, perhaps. You know, whereas in a foreign language and here also if you're a German native speaker speaking English the way you experience and express yourself in English is different I am an English native speaker speaking German Mm. that means how I use the language even though I I try to always be conscious of speaking it well still how I use the language is not like I don't have the nuances that a native mother tongue German does you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this also plays into that space I think and I guess you would have to be more I mean I know this because I, I tried my my partner speaks Spanish he's a Spanish mm. speaker and I mm. speak a decent amount of Spanish and I understand mostly all of it because of speaking French but like yeah. speaking it is a lot more difficult for me anyway but my point is is that when I'm trying to say something in Spanish there's this whole like translation process that needs to happen which doesn't happen when I speak French because that's like that's another mother tongue for me so yeah even though i don't use it as much but it there's there's almost like an, a layer of self-consciousness i guess or mm. like the inability to be completely free with your i guess unless you just don't care about making mistakes but you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can tell the big story about that one it's, it's a great point what you just said and I actually, I always say that um, the German language killed my perfectionism and I'm very grateful to it for that because I used to be a massive perfectionist and I really suffered under perfectionism. Um, And then you can't, like, I learned Italian in school and now that I'm learning French, I find French much easier because I find it more familiar, like with having English and Italian, it's like I can work it out kind of thing. But German was just really foreign to me. And the way the German grammar is, especially in the basic level, is complicated because they don't really have a clear rule system, mm. which makes there means that there's pretty much free room for error, as much error as you like. So if you're a perfectionist, you're going to have issues speaking that kind of a language to native speakers. And basically, I didn't speak a word. I was like so fearful and so like blocked and yet now in my self-expression like so just holding my voice inside because I felt so afraid of making mistakes and people thinking I was stupid and I was standing on stages performing in front of hundreds of people trying to speak their language and feeling like a complete idiot and being super insecure and going into this complete drama with myself in my head you know devil on my shoulder kind of thing telling me all these disempowering thoughts And about five years into that, I I realized, I I caught myself and I was like, hey, this is what's going on here. I need to change something. And and so I really reflected on that and really did some inner work in order to change this disempowering thought. And I made a commitment and agreement with myself. I was like, I don't care anymore. I've had enough. I have to speak this language. Like I cannot grow. I cannot do the work I want to do. I cannot do the music in in the way I want to do it. I have to. Like, so I need to get over being fearful I need to find the way to loving and compassionately work with myself and support myself through that fear hold myself by the hand really go inside change these disempowering beliefs which I did and uh and 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 let go of this uh, need to be perfect because it is not serving me it's blocking me Uh, and that's what I did and then everything opened up to me and it became much easier and to your point I think (sighs) learning the language here 
I feel like I learned it in the way that a kid learned it because I learned it a lot just by listening to people talking for like two and a half years. I just concentrated until I couldn't. My brain was just like, and I would have to sleep because it was too much. (laughs) But I never then translated. I never had that issue of translating. I was either in German and there was either words or I would get to the point where I had reached my ability. And then I would either have to try and find a parallel road to drive along and express myself or I would have to back in those days switch into English and then mm. come back into German again. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's always just like switching channels. I feel in the head. Yeah, that's neat. That's interesting. Mm. I think I read this thing once about how like past I can't remember what age it is, but you know, from birth until let's say seven or something, the way that you learn a language is completely different from yeah you know, seven onward or whatever. But it sounds like you had kind of a birth to seven experience it feels like that i mean i haven't put, I haven't put myself into an I don't mri and scan my own brain no but this is what i've heard too that from the age zero to seven it's like you, it's you develop parallel neural pathways mm. and then afterwards they all back onto the same neural pathway i'm not a neuroscientist so don't quote me on that one please uh, if you're listening <laughs> find it's out something <laughs> like that it's something like that but yeah yeah exactly yeah. But yeah, but how, how, going back to this idea of the experience, how I experience it is just like switch. And I'm either in German and then I'm in German. And then I actually, sometimes if I'm in German for days on on end, I actually have to force myself back into English because I like lose connection to English. And I'm like, oh my God, where is the language? (laughs) Where is it? Um, Which is a weird feeling because it's my mother tongue. And if my English deteriorates, then I'm like, oh God, where, 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 where? where am I (laughs) you know (laughs) do you have the opportunity to speak English with people who are native English speakers there or is it mostly people who I'm very speak German yeah I'm very integrated in some culture so pretty much all of my friends are German and Mm -hmm. I ask them that we speak in German so in the beginning we were talking English obviously because my competence in German wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. but then with at least 75 80 percent of those people I switched and any of my new friends I forced them into German I refuse to speak English with people even if they want to practice their English I'm like no 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 we're not doing this I will just I would just wear you down (laughs) (laughs) that's funny yeah there's here in in uh, Mexico almost everybody wants will just switch to English if I'm if they get like the hint that I can speak English yeah but it happens with me like sometimes I'm going out and ordering dinner for example and you know I don't have a perfect German accent so Mm -hmm. you can hear I have a I have like a British or people often think I'm American I know I don't Mm. sound American but like Mm -hmm if you're a non-English speaker, yeah. um, they can tell that I'm not a German and they can tell I'm an English speaker. And yeah. sometimes I'll just switch into English and I just look at them and I just like wear <laughs> them down in German. And I'm like, you can talk as much English as you like, but I will not answer you. I will answer you in German. <laughs> I will not cave. <laughs> I'm very, st- I have a very stubborn nature. So I don't, I pretty much always win. <laughs> That's nice. I remember I wanted to live in Holland uh, oh. in my 20s. And I was like, hell bent. I was like, I'm going to learn Dutch. And wow. Yeah. Well, it didn't get very far because, and like, nobody wants to speak Dutch to an English speaker <laughs> in Holland. They're like, we've been speaking English since we were two. What are you, you mm. know, they're better English speakers than we are. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's true. I wasn't as stubborn though. <laughs> All the Scandinavians, Holland included, like <laughs> they have fantastic English. Like yeah. the Finns, their English is insane. It's perfect. <laughs> it, it sounds so beautiful. It's so eloquent. Yeah. I compare that to the Australians and it's like, okay, something <laughs> went wrong here. <laughs> so you haven't been to Australia, we're saying in two years. Three. Are you going? Three. Oh, wow. Are you going to share music or are you just going to visit family? Yeah, I mean, I'm going back to connecting to my culture first and foremost. I want to put my feet into the beach and just look at the ocean. Um, connecting with friends, seeing my family, spending Christmas there. And every time I go back, I always organize concerts. So I have organized a few events when I'm back. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So you're going to to Adelaide and to other places or just Adelaide? No, I mean, Australia, like what you mentioned before, it's like so vast. Uh, the cost of traveling in between the cities <laughs> in Australia is like the cost of traveling in, into within Europe, like, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so it's just like. It's because crazy. Adelaide is um, the one that's all the way on the West 
coast. No, that's Perth. That's oh, Perth. that's Perth. Okay, sorry. Adelaide is below Melbourne. South, South Central. No, no. Melbourne oh. is like, so if you look at Australia and it looks like there's a bite that's been taken out of the middle down the mm -hmm. bottom. And this okay. is actually called the Great Australian Bite. And Adelaide is from that point. It's the, it's the oh. capital city of South Australia. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah. so clearly not my, I've been to Sydney and Melbourne. So I, mm -hmm. I know that, I know that. Yeah. Place. I mean, if you would go from Melbourne, it's like on the East coast, more Southern than Adelaide. So if you take a car and drive for 800 kilometers, uh, a little bit up and then towards the center, you come to Adelaide from Melbourne. Okay. okay. So, yeah. but there's a beach there. Yeah. 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 It's on the okay, coast because of the bite. Okay. I'm, yeah I'll have to look yeah. at the map after this <laughs> yeah I do I grew up I grew up at the beach like I was actually born at a hospital overlooking the ocean and I Aww. spent the first 21 years seeing the ocean every day so Aww. yeah it's a little hard living in mainland Germany <laughs> like, I don't really need the ocean yeah it's a bit landlocked but you do have the opportunity to travel to some pretty cool places pretty easily yeah I mean that's what yeah. you mentioned before yeah, yeah the oh. benefit of europe it's it's pretty cool like yeah. three hours and i can have breakfast in paris if i catch the train <laughs> early enough it's pretty cool yeah. that's amazing so would you like to share with people where they can find all of these concerts and um, online courses and wonderful things you've been talking about of course i mean uh, the easiest thing would be to have a look at my website it's uh my name.com it's spelled K for Kylie, I for Iris, R for Robert, B for Banana, A for Apple, N for Nicole, and U for Umbrella. Um, and under that same name, Kirbanu, you can find me on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Amazon, wherever you listen to music, on YouTube. You can connect to me on Instagram under the same name, Kirbanu. I'm pretty active there. And um, yeah, you're going to find everything under those places. Cool. So, um... Thank you so much for being willing to do this Sight Unseen. Hey. And uh, it was really lovely getting to know you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank thanks for tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.